The case is called Aviva and Williams, and it's a case about the apportionment of residential leasehold service charges. Uh, Vista is the name of the block that's um, at the centre of this dispute. Um, it's a residential block of flats within a larger development, and the issue is all about how um, one should read the residential service charge provisions in the leases. The leases provide for uh, the tenants to pay a fixed percentage, but there's also provision for the landlord to vary the apportionment of the, of the leaseholders. The leaseholders had argued um, in front of various tribunals that it was not permissible for either the landlord or indeed the tribunal to use varied apportionments. And it was common ground between the parties that for as long as anybody could remember that the landlord had applied different apportionments to the fixed percentages in the leases. The leaseholders said, because of the provision of section 27A6 of the Landlord and Tenant Act, the provision in the lease allowing for variation of the apportionments was void. Section 27A6 provides, as set out in the note, um, and essentially is a, an anti-avoidance provision, stopping um, parties from avoiding the tribunal's jurisdiction. So the landlord had argued, up until the Supreme Court that is, that the effect of section 27A6 was that simply um, the role of the landlord in the lease was to be removed and instead the tribunal was, was to be substituted in as the determiner of what the apportionment ought to be. The landlord relied upon a line of cases beginning with a case called Windermere and Wild, um, which had been approved by the Court of Appeal in a case called Sheffield and Oliver. It was then a question of what would the Supreme Court consider the correct approach to section 27A6 was. Once we were in the Supreme Court, uh, the court of course wasn't uh, bound by uh, the Court of Appeals decision in Sheffield and Oliver and had a somewhat more free hand that left us acting for the landlord able to argue uh, firstly that in fact the Court of Appeal was right for the reasons that it gave, but in the alternative we argued that in fact Sheffield and Oliver, Windermere and Wilde and all of that line of authorities was wrong and the reason we argued it was wrong is because the effect is to leave the tribunal standing in the shoes of the landlord. So the tribunal is becoming a property manager in effect and, and uh, our submission centred on the fact that that can't have been Parliament's intention when it enacted section 27A6. So that was our alternative case and we were also of course having to deal with the, the primary case that we had been arguing in the courts below. The focus in that sense was on uh, what's known as the blue pencil test, the notional pencil in your hand. Can you cross out the offending words from the provision in the lease and still leave it making sense? Uh, that required the parties to look at the various strands under the blue pencil test. Uh, one relates to um, restraint of trade type provisions in a common law context. There's another strain that relates to uh, ultra-vires provisions such as bylaws that fall foul of statute and then there's a third strain which relates to anti-avoidance provisions such as that in the uh, Landlord and Tenant Covenants Act. So we worked our way through that and the leaseholders argued well the correct approach is you take out your blue pencil if what's left doesn't make sense you can't insert any words and the whole provision goes. That in fact is what Judge Cook effectively found should happen in this case uh, and she found that what uh, the landlord was left with was simply the fixed percentage and no ability to vary it. So that, that was the, the central argument between the parties um, on the, uh, uh, before the Supreme Court 
Uh, and then, of course, there was our alternative case, as I say, that uh, says, well, this whole line of authorities is wrong anyway. The, the uh, hearing was in December 2022 and the decision is awaited and uh, watch this space. We acted on behalf of the Property Institute, which was the trade body uh, in respect of leases and leasehold management more generally uh, in the appeal. Uh, the uh, Property Institute was there as an intervener and as an intervener the, the purpose of an intervention so to speak is not to advocate for either party's particular case so we didn't cover ground that had been covered by the appellant or the respondent respectively. Rather what we sought to do was to provide the Supreme Court with the context it required to ensure that it was fully appraised of for example how prevalent these causes are in leases across the country. Uh, and perhaps most importantly, what the practical outcomes would be insofar as it preferred any of the appellant's arguments or the respondent's arguments. Uh, and to do that, one of the critical things we did was survey our members and we asked them a series of questions about um, uh, how often these leases, uh, sorry, the clauses in leases are uh, found, um, how often they're exercised, the consequences of not exercising them, uh, and the difficulties that landlords, management companies and other property managers face in circumstances over a long lease where the factual situation changes. Uh, and um, on that note, I'll hand over to my illustrious leader, um, Justin, who will explain a little bit more uh, about what it was that we actually said. So part of what we were trying to do is, is give that wider context, as Rupert said. So we wanted to give the Supreme Court examples of where you would use this sort of power, which aren't the same as the facts of the case they're grappling with. So we talked about situations where shared ownership leaseholders have staircased to 100% ownership and so their rights change under their lease. We talked about situations where there's been a repurposing of part of the block, so it's gone from commercial to residential or new flats have been built on top. We talked about scenarios where a service has been withdrawn from a part of the estate or a new service added to the estate, where one block leaves under a right to manage scheme, whatever the situation may be. And what we wanted to get across to the Supreme Court, based upon the experience of our clients' members, is that these sorts of situations where you need to change the service charge apportionments are very common. They're common because you can't possibly foresee at the beginning of the lease every scenario that will arise over the next 999 years. And so flexibility has a great value to managers and it has a great value to landlords and to tenants. And then we wanted to talk a little bit about some of the other options that are available. So we'd asked our members in the survey why they did or didn't use the Landlord and Tenant Act 1987 powers to vary leases. And there, there are two powers under the Act to vary leases. You go to the FTT, either if there's one of a list of, of particular problems that's present, or if you can get sufficient uh, qualified majority support. And what we were able to explain to the Supreme Court, based on the evidence from our members, is that this is one of those rights that sits there on the statute book and no one really uses because it's incredibly difficult in terms of procedural law to get the numbers that you need to prove the particular failing. And secondly, it's very expensive in terms of the litigation in the tribunal, the possibility of paying compensation if you have to do one of these variations. And where you're grappling with a situation where the manager is a company comprised of the leaseholders, whether that's the freehold company, an RMC or an RTM, they don't have pots of money sitting there to be used to pay compensation in the, in the event of a lease variation. The funds they have need to be spent on managing the building, not on anything else. Hence the 1987 Act, which 
from a pure black letter law perspective, you might have thought it was part of the answer. We said, practically, doesn't really help you with resolving the problems in this appeal. Whatever the uh, Supreme Court decides, the outcome is going to have ramifications for hundreds of thousands of leaseholders. These are very common provisions in long leases of flats. On the one hand, if uh, the leaseholders are right, then uh, we'll all be left working out how to operate these blue pencils, uh, but it will curtail the ability of landlords to vary the apportionment provisions. One will be left having to make applications to tribunals to vary in some circumstances. In other circumstances, the parties will be stuck uh, with that fixed proportion. And if we're successful on our alternative case, it will equally have a huge impact on both landlords and tenants because it will mean that landlords will maintain quite a significant role when it comes to determining the apportionment and it may well mean that the tribunal's role is reduced to simply one of review and the landlord gets a significant power when it comes to reapportionment. Once the judgment is out, we'll of course, uh, after we've had a good look through it, uh, give some proper analysis and we'll publish that on the usual channels uh, and I hope you find that helpful. <laughs>